And the church said, Amen. Woo, let the Lord reign in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Good to see all these uh, young people that are moving up to the sixth grade and middle school now. And we're proud of them and for the parents. And thank you for Janice and uh, Robbie and all the work they've put together and all of that and all the work they've done and they do. And appreciate that. Jeff, appreciate your prayer today. And we just pray that is the truth, that they will know the truth. And it's in God's Word. And through that process, they'll be able to weed out that stuff that's a lie because the world is a lie. But God is the truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Have you ever heard the phrase, the phrase that goes something like this, out of the mouth of babes? Very good. You've heard that then, haven't you? Certainly you have and we have, I guess. It comes from a simple truth that sometimes it takes a child to reveal something that we need to know. They just kind of say it in a special way or a special manner. It, um, for example, Patrick at age 10 simply said it this way, never trust a dog to watch your food. <laughs> it's pretty good advice, don't you think? Here's another one. This is uh, Michael at age 14. says, when your dad is mad at you and, you asked, and asked you, do I look stupid? Don't answer him. <laughs> That's a real good piece of advice. Uh, Randy at age 9 says it this way, says, um, stay away from prunes. I wonder where he discovered that one from. <laughs> These taste pretty good. <laughs> oh, never mind. Let's go. And I'm not sure I'd pronounce this last one's name. It's, it's K-Y-O-Y-O, something K-O-Y-O. I'm not sure. Age nine says, never hold the dustbuster and a cat at the same time. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? And I love, I love that fact. The trouble with good advice is, it is usually interferes with our plans. We're doing something and we think we are going the right direction or doing the right thing, and someone comes along and gives us good advice and it somehow interrupts our plans. Has it happened to you? I guess we've all discovered it as adults, or at least we think we discover that good advice is available. It's seldom sought after. So I want to give you some things today about good advice. It's not um, unusual for Scripture to be read during the service that I had no part of, but yet God moves in that. It happens to be the one that David read for us just a few moments ago, which simply said, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean out on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Now that's good advice, is it not? Sure it is. God's Word is full of good advice because God's Word has been mentioned twice today. God's Word is the truth. So therefore, if you look at God's Word, you don't have to question, well, I wonder if that's true or not. He's not your professor at high school or in college, I mean. He's not your teacher at school. He's not your boss. He's God. And when God gives us something, it is the truth. And I will always tell you, it is good advice to follow what God has given. Amen? Amen. Now, it is true that many choose not to walk in the light of the Lord. There is no doubt people do that. And for me, it's hard for us, I guess sometimes, to understand why a person would not accept what Jesus is offering from death to life, an eternal thing. You see, here's the truth. The truth is eternity. Eternity is for every person. Every person that's ever been born or ever will be born will enter into eternity. 
But while you're here, while we're here, we have an opportunity to take God's advice. And if we take His advice, we can receive Jesus, His one and only Son. And when we do, our eternity is heaven, God says. Give me an amen. Amen. But the truth is, hell is just as long as heaven, and heaven is just as long as hell. That's why it's really important for us to look into God's Word and find out what He tells us to do or accept His advice And by doing so, we will be led down the right path. Give me an amen. Oh, it's easy for us to simply say that they are lost in the world. And it's probably just as easy for them to say, they're nuts. And some people do call us that. But could it be a better approach in our lives, a better approach for all of us to take would be this, is to simply see for yourself. Come see for yourself if it's true. Come see for yourself if Jesus is the way. Come see for yourself if Jesus actually offers or gives what he says he offers. Come see for yourself. Oh yes, we could give many verses of the Bible and try to force it down them as we would force medicine down a child's throat, but I've seen too much of that in my lifetime and it usually turns pretty ugly. And people are turned off. Oh, we could do nothing at all and just enjoy the Lord for ourselves and say, yippee, it's all ours. But we all know that that's not right either, is it? Surely it's not. So what is it that we should do? What is the best advice in all of this? Well, it's interesting that Scripture, many places in Scripture, when you read it, it can be applied to many things throughout your life. So I may use a scripture in one area and show something of life, and I may use it in another area and show something else in life, and that's what I choose to do here out of uh, the book of John, chapter 21. We all know the story that takes place here. Basically, this is it, as you read there for yourselves, but Jesus stood on the shoreline there, and he's watching Peter and a few of the other disciples. They're out there fishing, and Jesus yells out from the shoreline, and he says, "'Have you caught any fish?' Well, of course, the response is, no, we haven't. And then he suggested that they cast their lines on the other side of the boat. Now, this is what part is interesting to me. Without knowing the person who was speaking to them, addressing these seasoned fishermen, by the way, they took his his advice, and they cast their net on the other side, and we all know there was so much that they couldn't pull it in. Good piece of advice a good piece of advice listened to, don't you think? Because if they would have not listened to what he said and simply said, who does this guy think he is? They would have come in, come in that night empty or that morning empty-handed. But they didn't. They took the good advice. If we are convinced that Jesus gives the right advice and we say that we are, give me an amen. If we really believe that in our heart, then let's learn something today of some advice that God may want to give you, Christian or non-Christian, today. First, for those who call ourselves Christian. The word Christian just means Christ-like. That's all it means, is Christ-like. Doesn't mean I'm Christ, never will be Christ. 
No, but what it is, I'm trying my best to do what Christ would have me do, or better yet than just doing things, as we've talked about, but it is that I'm reflecting Him in my life. I study Him, and I study his, what He did here on earth and what He says that's possible for my life. And I do that, and I try to live that out in my life, and so I'm reflecting Christ, or I'm a Christian. Where are you in all of that today, in your Christian walk with God? On a scale from 1 to 10, what would, you, what would you categorize yourself? All you're doing is you're really reflection of Christ in the world in which you live, around your family, around your community, in your schools, your, your workplace. How is it? And what, what would you give yourself as a rating, 1 through 10? 1 being not very good and 10 being just awesome out of this world. Most of you, again, are going to probably fall in the 5 range. Oh, a few slip to four and a few slip to six, but nobody's much higher than that because if you get higher than that, it looks as though you're bragging about who you are. If you get much lower than that, somebody's going to look at you and say, boy, what has he been doing? So we fall in that five range somewhere in that, but yet we are in Christ and we are to grow in Christ. Give me an amen. And if we are, we should be more confident in who we are in Christ. So have you merely accepted his salvation to simply glide along in life? You know, a lot of Christians just glide along in life. Did you know that? You might even be one. Oh, you might come to church, but you're just gliding along in life. God has told you something. God has shared in your spirit something, and yet you just keep on doing what you've been doing, gliding along in life. If that is the case, if that is the case, and then no matter who preaches to you and no matter who stands behind this podium, it doesn't really matter. And the reason why it doesn't matter is because convenience. Convenience is your motivator. When it's convenient for me, I'll do it. When it's convenient, well, let's check that calendar. What's on that calendar? This No, I don't think we can make it. Well, we might be able to make it. No, no, I don't think so. We might give, but no, no, no. It's a matter of convenience. And when it's a matter of convenience, it's no more a conviction. A conviction of the Spirit. Of my relationship with Jesus the Christ. I'm going to use the message translation in this next verse. I don't always use that in preaching service, uh, sermons because a lot of people get twisted a little bit by it, but... I'm going to use that today just because. So read it in your NIV and so on. I like this one here. It says, let me give you some good advice. And that's why I picked this translation, since we're talking about advice. Let me give you some good advice. I'm going to look you straight in the eye. I'm going to give it to you straight. Basically, here he's saying, don't be ornery like a horse or a mule that needs a bit and a bridle to stay on track. Don't be ornery like an old mule. Now, most of you probably have never been around someone that worked a mule. Anybody been around a person that's tried to be around a mule? Anybody besides me? A few of us. Well, let me tell you, that word ornery is really right on target. But I wonder why it's used here in this process. Don't be ornery like that old mule. It means stubbornness. It means Christians that are stubborn to move where God would have them move. Convenience. I'm perfectly fine with that. Thank you very much. Move on quickly. 
What, do you, what I want to say this morning there is be open. Be open for the growth that God has for your life. That's conviction. I want to grow. If God wants me to grow this month, I want to grow in Christ. If he wants me to give this, I'm going to give it because I know that he has a plan for me giving. And when I give, when God puts it on my heart to give, I know God will bless me because that's his promise. Always. It's amazing. Would you settle for less money if your boss offered you a raise? That's a pretty good question. Let's start with that one. Would you settle for less if a boss, you could come in and the boss says, you know, uh, Jimmy, Johnny, whoever, Harley, I'm going to give you a $5 an hour raise. Would anybody like a $5 an hour raise where you work at? You te- all the teachers are like, hey, give me 10. <laughs> Let's start with five. And so you can, they come in and say, hey, I'm going to give you a $5 raise. And you say, oh, no, 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 just keep it. I mean, you know, just, I know you probably need it more than I do, and I'm perfectly fine, and I'm good with that. Now, what would your wife say when you got home and you told her that? Huh? You get back down there and you tell that boss, you want $10, right? In that process, that's how we are sometimes. So why settle for less than God and what God is offering you? Why settle for less? If in God there is more, give me an amen and I'm a follower of Christ, give me an amen, Amen. and then there is more for me in Christ, give me an amen. Amen. Do you want it? Convenience or conviction? I'm sold out, we say. Let's move to the next group. What about those of you, or us, we could say, in Him, you're you're, you're sold out with Him. You, You seek Him with all of your heart, but only but only when a crisis occurs. Imagine that. Why do you say that? Well, I say that because I'm telling you that the pews get a little vacant when things are going good for many Christians. Did you know that? That's just a fact. Statistics back that up. They get a little bit sparse in all of those things. Things going good, looking good. I got it. Yeah, let's do, let's be. It's great. But let a crisis take place and the pews often become a little fuller. Scoot over, please. That's right. Well, God's desire for all of us, for you, if that's the case, is for you to have a greater catch, a greater reward as well, not only in your crisis moment, but even in your sunshine moments. Do you believe that? Let's look at something here as a scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is from the King James Version for those that like the King James. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. It goes on to say, but he's given us a spirit of what? Of power and love. And of a sound mind. The power, love, and a sound mind. What does that mean? Well, a lot of people could translate it in a lot of ways, but I'll try this one. Once you as a Christian, a child of God, realizes that God's power, God's power, not yours, God's power, God's love, not your love, God's love. When you realize, you come to realize that God's power and God's love resides within you 
at the moment of your rebirth, Scripture says, through the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells all believers, you can then walk through the crisis moments of your life knowing that He has been there all along and He is going nowhere. He's going to be there through thick and through thin, through happy and through sad. And knowing that will give you a sound mind. It is because when you go through those crisis moments, you can get a little bit up here out of track. Because what you try to do is you try, you and I try to do what? We try to, first thing we try to do when a crisis moment comes along is what? Fix it. Guys are notorious for this because we're fixers. So what happens in our mind, we get all twisted and we're running all these scenarios. We can't get any sleep because we're trying to do this, trying to do that. And he said, I want you to have a sound mind. And if you realize that God works within you, you can rest well because God's got you in the middle of your crisis as well as in your smiles. Give me an amen. That means what? Oh, let me back up. Joshua 24. I slipped that one in this morning, I think, there. But Joshua 24. You remember what Joshua says? He stands before the people, and they're about to go into the promised land of stuff. All the things are taking place there. And Joshua stands before the people, and he basically says this. This is my translation. He says, look, I know what's ahead. I know some battles are ahead. Crisis. And I know some smooth sailings ahead. You're going to choose. All of you are going to choose what you're going to do. But you need to know before we hit the, the waves or the smooth or the crisis, you need to know one thing. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua knew what he was getting into, but he was not ashamed to tell the world around him that you choose what you want to choose, but for me, I've got a conviction in my spirit, and my conviction is none other than I'm going to follow God wherever God leads me problem with Moses, he got a little off track. Tried to take it into his own hands, didn't he? That means not just when life is caves in, but also when it's smiling on you as well. You see, by taking the advice that he gave Peter and the other disciples on that day of casting their nets on the other side, it's something that we can learn from as well. The struggles that we go through. Let's talk about that one for a second. Have this one underlined, and I got even got it pink highlighted. That must mean it's important. Notice this. You going through struggle? Are you going through a struggle? Somebody's right now, you're looking straight ahead. You're not going to blink. You're not going to swallow deep. You're just going to keep your head straight ahead. Don't move because somebody might recognize that I'm going through something in my life. Thank you very much. Move on. That's what people do. You see, the truth is, somebody in the sound of my voice, you're struggling right now with something in your life. I don't know what it is. You do. And here's the key. God does too. That's the biggest key. God knows exactly what you're going through. But see, sometimes what we do is we come to church and we put our church face on. Did you know that? We put that church face on. And some of you put on that church face so well that no one's ever going to see through it. It happens more than you might think. It happens. Oh, yes. The struggles we go through, there may be many causes of that. But I want to tell you today, it may be because our nets is on the wrong side of the boat. The struggles that those fishermen had that night is they were fishing on the wrong side of the boat. 
They had a struggle. They had either a business or they had bellies that needed to be filled and they weren't getting anything because they were on the wrong side of the boat. Adjusting our lives to God is the first thing that has to happen in our lives in order for us to experience what God would have us on a daily basis. Because on a daily basis, every day you wake up, I promise you, God's got something good for you. Or he wouldn't have woke you up. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to receive it or are you ready to just slide on by another day? Until we adjust our lives to God, we will never receive the fullness of God's blessing. And it's not because it's not available. Remember the candy story last week? It's not because God's blessings aren't available. It's because we choose not to receive them in our spirits, our lives. Ask Him today. Do yourself a big favor. Ask Him today. Lord, what is it in my life that I need to adjust that I know I haven't adjusted it? I've been putting it off in my life too long and adjusting it. And I know I should. I even tell myself I should. But for some reason, I don't have enough nerve to move on past that and just surrender it to you, God. Henry Blackaby said it this way in his book, Experiencing God. He writes, you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. You see, God has called us to adjust to him, not him to adjust to us. That's why you seek him early in the morning, Scripture says. Why? Because all throughout the day, you know you're going to go through challenges and decisions and all kinds of things, and you seek him early in the morning, he's got a covering. And before you get done talking to him in the morning, just say, God, I know you got this thing. I know you got this day ordered already for me, and I'm going to walk in your spirit. I'm going to walk in and a conviction of knowing who you are in my life. Now, if you've never experienced Christ in your life, this does, listen, for Christians, a lot of times when the ministers get to this part of the message, you know what they do? Oh, I already got that part. I want you to listen as well. Because somebody in your life may not have this part. And it might help. But if you don't know Christ, you need to know a few things today or at least accept what he is offering today. So if you have never experienced what Jesus has offered you, can I simply be the one to simply say these words? If you're tired of the way your life has been and been going and you are wondering in your spirit, could things be better for me? Really? Mr. Preacher, could things be better for me? Well, could I give you a little of advice and simply say cast your net on his side? You've already tried it on your side. You've already experienced that in your life. Then why not cast your net on his side and see what he can do and what he is offering for you as well? For I can guarantee you, Scripture teaches, that just as he told those fishermen to cast your nets on the other side and they caught so many they couldn't pull it in, if you cast your net, your life, on the other side, God has said, I'm going to give you first things first, the greatest things first, which is a thing called eternal life, forgiveness. And who doesn't want forgiveness? 
Fishermen that aren't catching any fish need to make adjustments along the way. Oh, yes, we do. But they know that one thing is for sure. If they don't cast their nets, they're not going to catch any fish. You see, these men knew that fish were in the lake or they wouldn't have gone. They had fished it time and time again. They knew fish were there. Well, I guess all the fish just went away last night. No. They knew the fish were there. They just needed to locate them. We cheat with our fishing today. Remember back in the day when you just had a rowboat? This one was for Joe. He's out there in the foyer. He's not feeling well. We need to pray for him. But you remember when we just had the rowboat? My dad never bought a boat motor for me and my brother when we were growing up. He said, what do I need a motor for? You boys are the motor. And he would take us fishing. And when you're out there fishing and you just can't catch anything, what do you do? Let's try over there. Let's try over there. So they came along with this thing now that you put on a boat that costs about $60,000 and shoots you across the lake about 120 miles an hour, right? It's only a mile lake. So anyway, you get across there real quick. And what do you turn on, guys? Fish finder. And you look at this fish finder. I think it's cheating, but that's just how I take it, okay? You look at this fish finder, and you see these little blubbly things down there. And up, hey, stop, a little more. Right there, man, there's a whole slew right there. Well, fishermen that fish a lot, they like that. And I think it's okay, but it's cheating. But anyway, it's okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. Christ is the locator. You just got to turn him on. He wants to show you where life is. He wants to show you how things can change. He wants to, you to know where there is a great catch for your life. So you can have that $60,000 boat, and you can zoom across the lake 120 miles an hour, and you can have the best fish finder ever, but if you don't turn it on, you're just guessing like I did. Turn it on. I have no idea where I'm at in this message, but here we go. So let me give you a good piece of advice as we close out. Or better yet, how about letting Jesus give you a great piece of advice? And that's found in John 3.16. And I use this one this morning because I use it a lot, but I use it this morning because it's a familiar verse. If you're even a non-Christian, you know this verse. If you watch football or baseball or anything, they hold up in a stand, John 3.16. And it's a beautiful verse. And it's a verse for those that don't know God, but it's also a verse for those of us that do know God so that we can rejoice and just say hallelujah, but for those that can find that they are worth something. Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. Now watch this. Here, there's, here's the advice. Here's the advice. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now that's great advice. And all Christians say, Amen. well, that's pretty weak. All Christians say, Right, because that's how we started and that's how everyone else is going to get started through a belief system in Jesus, God's one and only Son. Give me an amen. amen. For God, and then I wanted to put in here so that you, you will have, not perish, but have eternal life. Now there's that eternal life thing. You can't say, well, I don't believe in eternal life. When I'm dead, I'm like Rover. I'm dead all over. Well, you can think like that, but let me tell you, when you die, there is an eternity. Your soul will go to one of two places. Now, here he's saying, I want to get you to the right place. You see it? 
I want to get you to the right place. For God didn't, well, wait a minute, if God loves, then it just, just be that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God wants to save you, and the only way you get saved, my friend, is through Jesus Christ. That's it. Only through Jesus Christ can anyone find salvation. That's it. There is no other way. There's no other advice. The world might tell you something. It's just as been said two times today in the message already. You may listen to the world's advice. Oh, there's all roads lead to God. All roads lead to heaven. That is a lie from the devil himself. It is only through Jesus Christ can anyone be saved, period. That's it. If you struggle with that, you're struggling. And so God wants you to know that. He's saying, I want you to catch something in your life. I want you to have what I've arranged for you to have, which is a place called heaven. Cast your nets on the other side because I have taken care of the rest. Eternal life is the best catch one can ever have in their life. I had an uncle that was in the mining business, Grand Junction, Colorado area. He was in the gold mining business. And when he died, no, he did not leave me an ounce of gold. Nada. They say, though, however, when you mine gold, you have to move upwards of two ton of dirt to find one ounce of gold. Two tons of dirt to find one ounce of gold. But here's the key. The thing is, you go in, you don't go in looking for dirt. You go in looking for gold. Why is that important? God is not looking for dirt. Your sin, my sin. He already knows it exists. What he's looking for is a heart that is open to receive what he has for us. Which is the thing called grace. Let me end with this. I put it down, took it out, put it down. Here it goes. Try this. I'll be done. Many years ago now, Don and I, when, when our son, this, our, now mind you, our son will be 40 in December. I know I don't look that old, but okay. He was about seven years old. I'm thinking something like that. His name is Brandon. He decided that he was going to move out of the house and move out on his own. I think it was Donna's fault, but nonetheless, we're going there. So we said, okay, you want to go, you go. Go pack your suitcase. We'll get you one. I got the biggest suitcase I could find. Put it on the bed. And he packs it full of his whatever. And so here he is. Now he heads out the door in the basement. And he gets to the end of the road, or end of our driveway at the edge of the road there. And here he is. He's lugging this big old suitcase. He can barely pull it. I'm not kidding you. Remember this, don't you, sweetheart? He's lugging this old suitcase. And he looks back to see if Don and I are looking to see if we'll say, No, come on, please, son, come on back home. I wanted to, but Donna said no. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, we watched him. He made his way up down this road, really up a hill. We were really impressed, actually. He's doing a pretty good job, but he was just lugging his suitcase down the road there. And, and as we're watching him move down through there, at this time, we're both crying. And, and we knew that what must have been going through his little mind. Can you imagine? What was going through his little mind? 
getting out of this place. My parents are the worst parents in the whole wide world. They don't love me no more. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to go somewhere. So whatever. About 20 minutes later, we heard the basement door open. Ha-ha. Don and I knew at that very moment that everything was going to be just fine because our son had come home. I wonder sometimes about all of us, Christians and non-Christians as well, I wonder sometimes about us and how far we have gone in our lives lugging these suitcases just baked down with things of life. And I wonder, when is it that we will make a turn and head on home? When is it that we'll make our turn? Take the advice. Every person that's ever become a Christian has had to make a turn in their life. And as Christians, sometimes we get off track. And when you get off track, you know what you need to do? Just make another turn. God allows you turns. Praise God. Here's a trustworthy saying, Scripture says. Or in other words, here is the right advice. 1 Timothy 2, Christ came into the world to save sinners. And the church says... Amen. Now the only question left, the only question left to ask is what is your response to that right advice? Accept Jesus. He's already given you the advice you need. You receive him. You receive eternal life. You receive forgiveness of sin. You receive forgiveness of sin again and again and again and again. But if you don't take his advice, you're still lugging that suitcase down the road. Make a turn. Make it now. As together we stand and sing.